Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. As I'm recording this, I'm in Amsterdam. So we've just been at Bitcoin Amsterdam, the conference put on by the Bitcoin Magazine team. So it's been an excellent experience and I've got a great show for you on this episode with Paolo Adorno from Bitfinex and Tether and we talk a bit about what's going on in Lugano. Now, this show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, and Swan is putting on a fantastic conference coming up. It's called Pacific Bitcoin. It'll be in LA, California, November 10th and 11th. There is an awesome lineup of Bitcoiners coming, whether they are speakers or just people attending. We have people like Michael Saylor coming, Lynn Alden, Pierre Richard, Alex Epstein, Jeff Booth, Greg Foss, Alex Gladstein, Mark Moss, and so many more. It'll be hosted in Santa Monica's Barker Hangar, a known for being a premier venue for entertainment, productions, and events. There'll be three tracks in terms of stages going. There'll be workshops. There'll be side events. There will be a VIP party for those people purchasing the VIP pass. There'll be a private VIP lounge. And Michael Saylor has said he thinks it'll be the event of the year. So don't miss it. Go and get your tickets. Get together with some of your friends. Get the tickets over at PacificBitcoin.com. Use code LAVERA. Brains are a Bitcoin mining software and services company. You can get their Brains OS Plus firmware, which is aftermarket firmware that you can install on a range of different Bitcoin mining ASIC machines. Now check on the website which models are supported. They've got the Antminer X19, Antminer Antminer S17, and some of the various lines there. You can even subscribe to their newsletter so that you know when new models are now being supported. Brains also operate Brains Pool. This was previously known as Slush Pool but all the branding has now been unified under the Brains umbrella. So those of you using Brains OS Plus, you can point your hash rate to any pool, but if you point it towards Brains Pool, you get 0% pool fees. So make sure you go and check out the website. It's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Now, when it comes to securing our Bitcoin, we need to use hardware. Coinkite.com are the creators of my favorite Bitcoin hardware signing device, the cold card Mark IV. So this is the newest version. It's out now. It's got two secure elements. It has NFC support. It has more RAM and a faster CPU so that your transactions are signed faster. It's a very reliable performer and you can set it up without plugging it into a computer, which is one of my favorite features. Now you can use micro SD card to move things back and forth or you can use NFC or if you're a beginner, just directly plug it to the computer. Now don't forget CoinKite also have a range of other products such as the tap signer or the block clock or the seed plate. So you can find all of that over at coinkite.com and you can get a discount on your cold cards using code Lavera. On to the show with Paolo. Paolo, welcome back to the show. Hey, Stefan. Thank you for having me again. So, uh, you know, we spoke recently and we spoke a lot about a, about a range of things. But uh, today, look, we're going to chat about Lugano and what's going on there. I think it's interesting to see the number of initiatives and things that are all happening in this one city, one town, one area. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about how some of this got started and got off the ground? Yeah, so as you know, right, we have been, as Bitfinex and Tether, we have been always uh, involved in uh, in, in helping um, companies, people, and uh, in public administrations into getting to Bitcoin. But I feel like... Um, most of the efforts that we have always done or our community had has always done were focused on really huge scale approaches and that is really hard right so if you try to get to you know maybe a country like france and trying to push them to adopt bitcoin in a significant way at the high uh, big scale that is almost impossible right takes so much effort but and so it's really difficult to measure the impact of what you are doing. But in a smaller city like Lugano in Switzerland, right, that is, you know, anyway, uh, understand finance really well, understand uh, technology really well. It's um, it's a seventy thousand inhabitant city, so it's a far more controlled environment. So. Uh, working directly with administration, we could actually understand the impact that we would have, right? So, in a way, the way I see it is is um, is a template. Lugano can be the template on a wider scale uh, approach and adoption. So, I like also to compare what is happening in El Salvador and so what we are doing as companies in El Salvador with uh, what we are doing in, in Lugano. So, two different one country 
that is also an, an emerging market developing country. And also, um, uh, and instead, on the other side, you have a rich Swiss city, right? So two different stories. Let's see, let's learn from the two sides of the medal. And then we can tweak, we can tune the educational projects that we have, the uh, integration with, with commerce, with local shops. So all that is much easier if you have an easy access to the entire territory, right? So if you can walk by every restaurant that is is um, allowing Bitcoin payments to understand the struggles, to understand what they're, you know, what they like, what they don't like, how we can improve the situation. So that is exactly what we what is happening in Lugano, and all was possible thanks to like the mayor and his administration. Administration are extremely forward looking, right? So they understand technology. There are in Lugano. There are three universities among the seventy thousand inhabitants. So it's a lot, right? So it speaks really highly about their interest in education. So. We found the perfect place to start with uh, multiple initiatives in parallel and then from the merchant, education, um, um, R&D on, on, uh, on, on mining with um, you know, green energy and, um, and so on. Gotcha. And so in terms of the website, when I was having a look at some of the, what's going on with the initiatives, I saw these numbers up there. There's 100 million and 3 million in Swiss francs. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what that money is for, who's, who's providing that and what's it going towards? Yeah. So when you want to help an ecosystem, it's important to provide a way to bring people into that ecosystem from the outside and grow them from the inside as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So a similar approach we are having in, in El Salvador where, you know, as, as Bitfinex and Tether, we have donated um initially 36 bitcoin but we in, are increasing our our you know uh, donations and efforts and and, and and expenditure during the year because we believe that um, it's important to provide the tools from the inside uh, well from the outside to the inside in order to grow uh, the expertise and, and and the technical knowledge um in in the city or in the country when it comes to El Salvador. So the fund was, the two funds are really important. The smaller fund, the 3 million Swiss franc fund is actually being in use now because we have ordered more than 1,000 point of sales that have been already in part distributed to the merchants in the city. So only a few merchants. So we started with a pilot of now we are around 20 to 30 merchants uh, to test test, um, uh, the Lightning Network integration and the Tether integration. Um, the first merchant was actually McDonald's. Uh, I think that was a ton of, um, of interest uh, on, on Twitter around that. So I was talking to a guy that is working there, and in one day they peaked to 30 transactions in, in Bitcoin. So it is, it's not bad, right, being, the, being at the beginning. So we plan to, now that um, the point of sale has been smoothened out, we plan to expand uh, the offering really quickly to uh, 1,000 merchants, and then go up to 2.5 thousand merchants by the end of 2023. So, uh, also the approach that we are having with merchant is um, is is quite um, uh, scientific, right? So we it's not like they get a pause and um, then we forget about them. We give give them a pause uh, point of sale, but uh, they have different toolings to tweak the way they you know the payments are handled so they have a slider that can choose they can choose how much they want to to sell or keep in bitcoin so it is something that the way we are approaching things is although i'm i'm i'm, I'm bitcoin um maxi uh, you could say that but uh, uh, i think that for merchants is kind of a topic to say to go to them and say, well, now you have to keep everything that you get in Bitcoin, right? So we wanted to create this uh, educational process and um, you know uh, confidence process where they can increase the the amount of Bitcoin that they can keep in in their wallet the more they get confident. And um, quickly on the bigger fund, the bigger fund is actually um, it didn't start yet, so we are still setting up the the. The fund structure and the aim is to uh, help startups that want to relocate on the territory, right? Again, so usually um, 
when when cities do this type of um, of uh, events or this proposed or get involved in in these type of initiatives, they want to make sure that you know their seat is not going to be used as a PO box where you know the company set up, but there is no one actually living on the territory, right? So the only reason for the city to do this is well, well one of the few reasons for the city to do it is to make sure that the territory remains vibrant, young, and always ready to follow uh, technology. So it's important that, of course, there is a fund that helps people to relocate here, to grow their, um, their startups. Um, so we, we really look forward for you know, uh, amazing Bitcoin-centric companies uh, being set up in Lugano. And a few of them are coming, especially when it comes to the R&D on green, green energy and mining. There is, um, there is an interesting company just moving here in Lugano, renting um, a big place so they can put their machinery and um, also you know, teaching to the university, but also taking back from the university in terms of um, engineering. Uh, and uh, you know, there are two really engineering focus on, uh, of, of focused on universities in Lugano. So that's, that's, that's why, uh, that's what's happening here. Interesting. And so for, let's say there were listeners out there, maybe they are Bitcoin builders and they're thinking about potentially going to Lugano. What would the process be like for them if they were to, is it like applying for a grant or is that, is that the kind of structure that they are looking at here or what's the approach going to be to try to attract business, Bitcoin businesses? So more the grant, we plan to, uh, so we are setting up this fund that will be a classic VC fund, but will f- be focusing on technologies that we do care about. And um, I can tell you, um, probably is, this is the first time I make it public, but there will be also a whole punch slash, uh, slash tags fund uh, incubation fund as well, right? So we are creating multiple pun- funds, each one for um, different technologies, because it's important that there is enough capital to run operations also in the city, so the people are not strangled when when you know they come to, to live in Switzerland. And um, but yeah, it's Bitcoin, Lightning, um, and, and the whole punch slash and slash tags dedicated funds. Fantastic. So that's that's really cool to see. And so then. In terms of attracting people, is the idea that the city is going to try and attract people who are not currently in Switzerland? So, like, would they be having to, like, you know, apply for visas and things like this to kind of, you know, to come and work? Because I guess the idea, as you're saying, is they want people to actually come and live in the city and not just sort of remotely set up from the city and still be elsewhere around the world. Yeah, so... Well, Lugano is looking for people relocating from other areas from Switzerland or outside of world, um, outside of Switzerland. So, for example, we are seeing an interesting inflow from people living in Zug, right? Right. So, or companies actually having PO boxes in Zug and looking at um, Lugano as a, as a potential new residence for themselves and the city. So, actually, we had around 20 people already moving, already moving from uh, Zug and Zurich, or from this upper part, northern part of, of Switzerland, into Lugano in the last uh, six months. And um, five companies already established here, and other 20 are looking to relocate here in Lugano. So, things actually are moving, especially, of course, there, is the, there are the funds, but the most important and exciting part is, is the direct connection with the city, right? So uh, anyone can go and set up a meeting with the mayor, with his administration, get his advice, and you know they, you really feel part of something here, right? So again, it is a city that is a smallish city, 70,000 inhabitants, so it's not Dubai, it's not Milan, it's not Rome, it's not Paris, of course, but uh, it's a city that you can walk around everywhere, it's a beautiful lake, mountains, and the administration is like, uh, the administration understands really well the importance of um, of uh, being on the or jumping on the train now, right? Lugano historically was and is still one of the three biggest cities when it comes to wealth. So there is uh, Zurich, Geneva, and Lugano. So Geneva is a bit more on the French side. Then Zurich is on the German side, and Lugano is on the Italian side, right? The three languages that are um, spoken in uh, in Switzerland. But, um, you know, until um, the last uh, decade, 
um, Lugano was and Geneva and uh, Zurich were making a killing on banking. And they still do to a certain extent. But um, I think that recently uh, Europe, including Switzerland, has become more an even playing field with, uh, when it comes to banking. And so a lot of banks consolidated in, in the entire Switzerland after the 2008 crisis. And so I think that Switzerland is uh, really well suited to be you know, at the forefront of uh, uh, financial technology innovation right, or, and, and finance in general. So they understand finance really well. They understand money really well. And so they don't want, they, they understand that if they are like the 15th country to really show interest to, to Bitcoin, they will lose a trade. And, you know, Switzerland has the Swiss franc. You know, if, uh, if you don't have dollars, you want dollars. If you have dollars, you want Swiss francs. That's how it goes when it comes to money and the fiat war. But um, if you add then the two, you can argue that the two strongest and independent currencies in the world are actually the Swiss franc and, uh, and, and Bitcoin, right? So Swiss franc is, is the, the monetary policy of Switzerland is extremely more thorough than what we have been seeing in, for example, from the US or, or, or Europe, right? So is, is um, the um, cent, uh, Central Bank of Switzerland has been much more um, restrictive in what they did in, um, in, during the COVID period and all in these recent times. And also, they have been providing clarity and regulations on, on Bitcoin and crypto since uh, 2015. So, uh, and this is quite important, right? FINMA, the regulatory body in Switzerland, has been providing clarity, has been providing regulations for cryptocurrencies since a lot of years, seven years now, right? That when, you know, most of the other countries were still picking their noses because they were completely, you know, you know, still, still sleeping, sleeping on, on this new technology. So that's why I like Switzerland. And um, they have actually a good chance in attracting a ton of people here. I mean, also, I knew, I know some friends that are planning to move from, from Dubai, from Australia. We have people relocating from, um, from uh, also Ukraine. And, and the city also, the beautiful part of it is that the city is, is involved in helping actually people relocating, right? They understand that the main struggles are uh, relocating here. So um, if, you don't have an, an, if you don't have an European passport, it takes time effort to relocate in, in, uh, in, in Switzerland. But the city is helping and helped already many from, the, from um, living abroad to relocate in, in, in Lugano. So, and also banking, right? So you want to come here maybe with a, w and open a bank account. And um, banking, I know that also in Dubai, in Singapore, although, you know, they are crypto-friendly places, still banking is not that easy, right? So, and uh, Switzerland has a really thorough approach to banking. And yet, after the 3rd of March, when we announced the plan B, we are seeing, we are sitting around the table every few weeks with different banks and they are starting to onboard crypto people. And that is a huge achievement because, um, you know, now banking understands that they can suddenly start to offer other services like uh, other services to, um, to their customers. And uh, that's something that I really like to see because I, I think that uh, they understand that, um, you know, it, they, they shouldn't be superseded by the technology, but they should embrace the technology. I see. Yeah. Uh, and, as you mentioned around having people use Bitcoin around town, uh, I think one thing, obviously, Switzerland, people don't really know, but Switzerland has no capital gains tax, from what I understand. Although there is a wealth tax, but still, no capital gains tax means you can spend your Bitcoin uh, if you are um, Switzerland-based. Um, and so that is an interesting idea because, you know, people talk about this idea of, oh, Bitcoin legal tender. But really, if you just remove capital gains tax, then you're, you're okay to spend your Bitcoin without having to do tax events and so on. Now, of course, that may be a different story for tourists and things like this, but in terms of locals or people who are residents of Switzerland, then that's interesting to see. And maybe we will see more adoption from that perspective just because it eases the friction. Um, so I'm curious from a Bitfinex point of view, are you getting involved there from the merchant side? Like are the merchants actually using Bitfinex in terms of getting like if they want to receive some fiat out of that or like what, how does it work for the merchants? 
in Lugano who want to, let's say, take a split in some Bitcoin and some fiat? Yeah, so at the moment, they are, the merchants are using this point of sale that is provided by GoCrypto. And uh, GoCrypto is using Bitfinex Pay as backend. So as Bitfinex Pay, we didn't have the, the full setup also with the physical device, right? So in many places, works. So you can go directly with the phone, right? So you have the phone and you show a QR code and that usually works. But um, in, in Switzerland, we have done um, a thorough investigation at the beginning, right? So, and that is part, uh, to me, if you want to get the entire city to adopt a new system, there are few things you have to do. First of all, it has to be free for them. So that's why we wanted to do the experiment and the cost of the point of sale are fully covered. The second is that you need to give um, to the merchants the ability to you know, remain 100% um, in fiat or move the slider and decide how much remain in Bitcoin. So that is, uh, that is extremely important, right? So these are uh, definitely the, the, the most important Important parts, and then the third one is that, believe it or not, they want to print. They want the point of sale that prints the receipt, right? So they have all integrated. So they have, you know, you know, the restaurants are pretty busy. So you want your guy going around. We have this, this point of sale. Boom! Um, show the QR code, pay, receipt printed, connected to their cashier, right? So they don't want to have like 10, 10 systems that don't talk to each other. That is a barrier for 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 integration and yes i know that there are many companies that are actually you know having these smartphone apps that are great right but the problem is they are good for uh the bitcoin believers already right so the ones that uh, they don't care they that's fine they will export an excel spreadsheet they will merge the the the, the current cashier system with the excel spreadsheet and they are happy but it's not all like that, right? People need to have one single system. They, you know, you, you are talking to old ladies in their grocery store, right? So that is, that, is, that is the most important thing to solve. Okay. So could you just walk us through then as an example, let's say you're a Bitcoiner, you want to go there as a tourist and you want to, you want to spend some Bitcoin. Uh, what does it look like? Is it basically they ring it up on a register and that prints out a receipt and that receipt has a QR code? And then that's what you scan and pay, or is it like it's actually on their little, you know, credit card terminal? Same thing. Yeah, it's basically. So what they have is like, okay, so they have this, uh, they have the, a terminal, a, a point of sale that is just basically a box that have yeah. a, a, has a phone inside, as a, a phone that uh, with like over the air updates and so on has a printer here, and also has NFC still on on the top, right? So. Basically, it's just a, a phone in a nice box with a printer and, and uh, the NFC well exposed. So this uh, point of sale can do uh, crypto payments. So uh, can basically, you know, you, you tap the amount, you say, okay, I want to pay in Bitcoin, I want to pay in Tether, and we'll basically show the QR code. So you use scanning with the code and with your phone, you pay and, and create the, um, the receipt. And also has the support also for um, for some Bitcoin cards that are and LN cards that are coming out now, and also Visa Mastercard. Mastercard. So here's the thing, right? So you can push the merchants now to have one single point of sale that does everything. Obviously, the the most critical part for us was limiting the number of currencies that we were offering because we don't want you know others. We wanted to limit to just three currencies, like the, the Lugano stablecoin that is called uh, Luga. There is the Tether and Bitcoin, right? So the two biggest, so the biggest, most important uh, currency, um, Bitcoin, then Tether as a stablecoin, and then Luga. So we really didn't want to spread the the focus on like 15 different currencies with almost no usage, right? So it's important to us also that we stick to the, the narrative that uh, people should use, you know, uh, mainly Bitcoin, actually. Um, but yeah, everything is integrated, is integrated with a cashier, right? So when you pay on, on and, um, with your phone, your, the, the device, so the point of sale that, the, that for example, the, the shop owner has, will print the receipt 
and will directly talk to their his cashier, right? The cashier is the thing that uh, you know has also some cash inside and basically does a little bit of accounting. So at the end of the day, you you know how much how much you earned and so on and so forth, right? So is all integrated in that way. Back to the show in a moment. A new sponsor for the show is Blockstream. They have the Green Wallet. It's an industry-leading Bitcoin and Liquid wallet. Gain access to powerful features such as multi-signature security, full node verification, and Tor support. Blockstream Green offers the option to secure your wallet with their multi-sig shield, where one key is held on your device and another is held on Blockstream's servers, enabling you to protect your wallet with two-factor authentication. You can have time locks or a third backup key to ensure you always retain full ownership of your funds. They also have integration with hardware wallets like Blockstream Jade, Ledger, and Trezor devices to get you the best of both worlds. Other Bitcoin wallets offer a choice between convenience, security, and control, but with Blockstream Green, you get all three. Blockstream Green is available for iOS, Android, or desktop. You can find it over at blockstream.com green. Are you still using a plain old block explorer? Bitcoin has grown beyond that. It's not just a single layer anymore. It's a fully-fledged multi-layer ecosystem. Mempool.space is your comprehensive Bitcoin explorer covering this ecosystem. From the mempool to the blockchain to second-layer networks like Liquid and recently the Lightning Network. So when you go to mempool.space, you can see the projected fee rates that are required for low, medium, or high priority. You can search Lightning channel opens and closes you can search for lightning nodes you can even host it yourself using your own full node distribution for example umbral raspberry blitz and many more now if you are with an enterprise mempool.space offers customized mempool instances so you can have your own company's branding you can have increased apr limits and much more go learn more over at mempool.space enterprise and lastly, Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital can help you create a multi-signature vault. So for those of you who are unsure about your Bitcoin security or perhaps the value of it is going up over time and it's now time to take that next step, Unchained can help you. You can use the concierge onboarding program where they will ship you the hardware if you need it and they will do a call with you to teach you how to create your vault as well as withdraw from the exchange or out of your single signature hardware wallet. This can give you that additional peace of mind knowing that you are removing single points of failure. And if you are in various states in the US, Unchained Capital have also launched a trading desk allowing you to purchase Bitcoin directly into your multi-signature vault. So go and check out the website for that. All of that is available over at unchained.com and use code Levera for a discount on the concierge onboarding program. And now back to the show. Gotcha. Yeah, and I can understand the uh, the point of that because, yeah, as you mentioned, currently it would otherwise take a lot of manual wrangling or at least some manual accounting or at least giving it to an accountant and saying, okay, here's the fiat side of it and here's the Bitcoin side of it. Now just you have to do some kind of in the back end Excel matching it together or getting a CSV and stuff like this. So I can certainly see um, the appeal there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, going to Lugano and checking it out. I think it'll be fantastic to uh, be able to you know, pay in person with Bitcoin. It's always fun. I guess probably the other big question that I think people are going to have is, why bother trying to drive adoption from the top down? Why not bottom up only, right? Like I can understand maybe there are libertarians uh, who might have that kind of critique. How would you uh, answer that? Or how do you think about that kind of question? Well, it's not one or the other, right? So we are actually, as Bitfinex and Tether, we are doing both, right? We are creating uh, technologies that uh, everyone can use and they don't have any control like Hole Punch and, and Keat that we'll have soon in the next couple of weeks, we'll have support for Lightning, for example. Uh, bottom-up approach is uh, also, in El Salvador, we are focusing on bottom-up approach and top-down approach at the same time, right? So it's in the end, it's um, in, you need government support if you want to move faster, right? So government has access to a ton of information like uh, universities that uh, and, and, uh, and uh, so can improve the speed of, of adoption. So I think it's quite a topic thinking that you can solve everything from the bottom up because the reason the scare that they have, I'm, I'm fearful that if we don't move fast, we will let big tech companies trying trying to steal the lunch from us right so we i want to be able to move as fast as i can with all the different at least all the levels i can in order to drive adoption because if you start from the bottom is the most i understand that is the most pure approach 
but still is it might be too slow. So I prefer to unify the two things and find, and then we meet in the middle, right? So on one side you have you prepare like the the ground from the top uh, from the bottom up. Uh, so people the most like. Um, knowledgeable people will already embrace the technology and start you know spreading out but at the same time if the government if the administration of a city is not comfortable they can put limitations through the entire process so of course you know we are all bitcoin believers so we say okay whatever limitation we will face bitcoin will overcome that but I think that I really don't like to wait for or to you know, give the chance of, uh, to others, to, to big tech companies, to shift the narrative and trying to you know, enter in territories that might be open to adopting blockchains, selling a blockchain that is not Bitcoin. So to me, it's important that we do the two things in parallel. I see. And so I guess the other question people might be having is, what's the situation like in terms of how much power the city of Lugano has like are they in a situation where let's say they are impacted by regulations coming in from the outside like in at the federal level in Switzerland or do they really have enough power uh, or, or at the canton level uh, or do they have enough power to really drive it forward in their own city so the beauty of Switzerland is that they have the federal level, cantonal level, and city level. And there is quite some independence between the, the, the three of them. So um, they, of course, had to name Bitcoin, Tether, and Luga as de facto legal tender, right? So, for example, the law of money is at the federal level. But still, they could take independently the choice of accepting Bitcoin payments for the taxes with no limits. And they can basically, all the rest, they can do it by themselves. So that to me is um, is already a great sign of independence, especially used by, you know, I'm used to Italy, right? So where nothing moves ever. And uh, so it, it's extremely refreshing to see what is happening here in, in, in Lugano. And of course, uh, would be nice to have Bitcoin really um, eventually as, as full legal tender, but uh, it's already... In my opinion, is already good enough, right? So it's is is working. The, the 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 city has embraced it fully. So is more than I can ask. I see. And so, in terms of uh, people who are accepting Bitcoin today, so there's that video, the McDonald's video, which uh, I'll put that in the show notes if I can find that one. Just for people who are listening now and thinking that they're going to visit sometime soon, what kind of merchants could they be paying Bitcoin? So first of all, the the first thing so. Uh, the city and um, you know started from McDonald's, but because it's a big achievement, they have a ton of, of people throughout the day. But also, I had my uh, I pushed my uh, preferred restaurant um, to accept uh, Bitcoin. So of course, I'm basically going there five times per week. So uh, to me, is uh, of course is a no-brainer, and it's called Gabani. is an amazing meat restaurant with um, is Italian cuisine in Switzerland, and is just insane, right? So I know that I'm, I'm I'm doing some advertisement here, but when it comes to food, I'm super, always super excited. Um, and uh, but also we have we an art gallery also was onboarded a couple of days ago, a watch dealer, and uh, many other restaurants are have been on board have been onboarded um, in in the last last three four days. So now we are around 20, but we plan to arrive to 50, 60, uh, all in the center of the city by the event. And after the event, of course, this will continue to, you know, 2.5 thousand. So, of course, to build, the, we announced the 3rd of March to build, you know, the right um, processes to build like the, you know, also the right communication with the merchant. It took a little bit of time, but uh, now that things, all the technological part is there, is working properly apart this morning that the lightning had a small issue so so a couple of of, uh, of merchants were complaining already but uh, we fixed that pretty quickly and now we we are back on track right and of course and i know these with these things there are always teething issues and i know even with el salvador uh some users of the chivo wallet were having some issues with lightning but i think most of those have now been ironed out as well so you know i think yeah. These kinds of things are to be expected, especially with doing larger scale rollouts of Lightning. Um, you know, it's early days still, but uh, I think a lot of Bitcoin people are 
excited to have that chance to go out there and truly live on Bitcoin if they can, right? If they can earn Bitcoin and spend Bitcoin and just not have to, or minimize the amount of fiat they have to touch or use, then, you know, all the better, right? So do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, is there anything else you want to expand on with the students and what they're going to do? Because uh, from what I've read, it sounds like there's some, like, there's going to be some kind of tie-in with a university curriculum also. Yeah. So there are three universities in Lugano, as I said, and all the three universities had agreed to work with uh, um, with this Plan B group to design uh, Bitcoin and Lightning Network courses, right? So two uni- other universities are quite technical, so engineering style, and the other one is quite is, is more business-oriented. So we proposed, and we already had um, a summer school, so two weeks where uh, prominent speakers came to Lugano and teach uh, lessons to um, around 100 students, selected students, coming from everywhere in the world, actually. Um, And now we want to streamline that educational uh, process to um, curricula courses during the regular uh, year uh, in university, right? So the two uh, more technical universities will focus on um, coding, of course, development in the Bitcoin and Lightning world. And the more business-oriented university will focus on a bit more on on the marketing aspects of it. Uh, So how you can, so it's not about only tech, right? So how you can you need to understand how Bitcoin works. If you need to help companies that have adopted Bitcoin to grow, how you do that, how you do the accounting part, how you do the legal side and so on, right? So there are so many different faces to, is, is like a dice where each face is, is a different job type that you can do. So that's that's the role of the interaction uh, with the universities that we have. Yeah. And um, so we touched on this a little bit earlier. You mentioned that there's going to be this fund in terms of, Bitcoin startups who looking who are looking to situate in Lugano uh, and have staff there and probably run their Bitcoin business there. Um, it, it seems from the website there's also going to be some plan for a, a hub slash incubator. So is that going to be like a physical space or is it going to be more like you know just in the in the city that people can come and you know be setting up their business? So there is the plan is is pretty much done in the sense that we are the final uh, stages of this plan. There is the plan to acquire a four stories building where, you know, at the entrance, we want to have a Bitcoin cafe with uh, Bitcoin art. So with, uh, we are, we are working with Satoshi gallery and, uh, and, and hopefully other, you know, designers, other artists will, 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 will be added later, but uh, we plan to have a bull inside the inside the let's say the base floor where there is this uh, there is this cafe with the art around and then the other floors will be used for co-working space and um, recreative space and some offices so we wanted to create a, a space for everyone to come enjoy coming to lectures because there is a space also for lectures and so doing meetups and uh, all um, revolving around Bitcoin. So I feel like a city like Lugano, again, to to give comfort, to give also to be the, um, to 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 provide a single point where people can find what is real, what they should learn, and what is not interesting. They should come to a specific place, right? So, as you might know or might might imagine. As soon as we launched the Plan B initiative, ton of um, shitcoiners and everyone started to pile on on uh, on uh, on this initiative, right? So it happened that many projects, without saying anything, started to using to use the Plan B marketing material to try to sell their product, and this is something that we want to avoid with all our forces. So. Uh, that's why we wanted to create a hub where people knew, know that inside that hub, we try to give, to provide them real information about Bitcoin and uh, and the real thing, right? So that, that's the reason we're having a hub. I see. Yeah. And I can imagine for people who are in the city and maybe they're not already Bitcoiners, 
they might just sort of see all these altcoiners descending on the town to try to shill things. But if they could see, let's say, there's a community hub there. Okay, they teach Bitcoin there. Oh, I can pay Bitcoin to buy my coffee there. Okay, I'm sort of getting the idea here. Like, exactly what is this? What am I meant to do with Bitcoin? So I can imagine that. So let's chat a bit about the forum then. So basically, you are putting on basically a, a Plan B forum. So what is it? So the Plan B forum is... Um... It will be a recurring initiative, right? Every year we plan to do this, right? So we wanted to have a forum that would unify our vision when it comes to Bitcoin and uh, and technology. So I'm a big sustainer of, um, a big supporter of, of the um, individual sovereignty concept where, you know, you have to be financially free um, and, you know, hold your own keys in order to, you know, uh, be yourself, to be free. But uh, to me, as I said multiple times, in order to have the full individual sovereignty, you need to have also a freedom of speech tools. For example, Keat and Hole Punch and, and uh, what Synonym is working on are, to me, the perfect complementary technologies to, to Bitcoin. And But uh, on the freedom of speech, there are not many... Uh, not many um, events related to freedom of speech uh, around the world, right? So, of course, uh, Alex did a great job in, in Oslo um, that I was really humbled to be invited. You were there as well. So uh, so that was really good. But we wanted to unify a little bit the industry and uh, the, the two types of industry in a single place, right? So who is working or who has direct experience on Bitcoin? So we have... You know the most prominent speakers around uh, revolving around Bitcoin, and also uh, prominent speakers when it comes to you know freedom of speech. And so we had uh, we have uh, we are going to have the Assange family, for example, um, at um, um, full family, of course, Mark Julian. We we are going to have um, also people from the from law firms uh, explaining and, and and discussing, debating on on the. Uh, you know, code is freedom, right? So what we can expect from future regulations around the code, right? So if you write a piece of code, can someone come after you if that piece of code is used for any malicious activity or whatsoever, right? So what is the type of protection there? So um, also we want to start discussing about the, the importance of, uh, of uh, privacy, in communication systems, right? Right. So we want to explain, you know, now something that is becoming a motto for myself is that to us, cloud is a scam, and how to we we are going to see uh, how we can fight the prominent uh, positioning that cloud uh, solutions have in, in in the current world, and how we can create the tools that are you know communication tools, storage tools, and so on that will fight that dominance. Uh, because you know when some when you know uh, shit hits the fan, um, you you really want to be ready with an alternative set of uh, private and enterprise solutions. I believe that also enterprise corporates should be really careful on where they keep their own files and their own data, and usually they trust the third party. But we can demonstrate to them that they don't need to trust any other party, uh, or they don't need to use. Uh, other people, someone else backup solution when they can build their own and, you know, do it in a really decentralized way and fully encrypted way and so on. So there is so much to talk about. And we are going to have also master classes. There is Mixabo, um, Adam Beck, and uh, <clears throat> there is uh, James Lonlop, uh, myself, Matthias Bus, there is John Carvalho, Jack Mozuko, there is, of course, <laughs> yourself and uh, so so many. I mean, it's crazy that in two days we are fitting so much talent, so much knowledge. So yeah, I'm, I'm, and I can tell you that will be a huge uh, announcement because we are also be, Lugano is kind of, is uh, is collaborating with El Salvador, so that's you know we are trying to create this uh, um, you know more you know broader environment. So there will be a huge uh, announcement uh, in uh, in Lugano. Um, made from El Salvador um, so I'm I'm super excited about that so it's going 
if you listen to that uh, announcement, you are going to understand that uh, you know uh, the world, uh, the Bitcoin world, is becoming you know bigger and bigger, but the distances are becoming smaller and smaller. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Obviously, the lineup is incredible. The the speakers and the people that you've managed to pull together for this, and I notice you've even got uh, the crypto couple, our friends Carla and Walker. So they'll be there helping host the show, and so that'll be um, really cool. I noticed as well, you mentioned the uh, the anti-cloud comment. I was interested. Um, so, and I know this is something I believe, you know, it's maybe it's kind of pushing back towards the idea of people should just run things bare metal, meaning they should run their own, on their own, you know, box in their home and things like this. And we, we are starting to see a resurgence, I think, because I think what happened is a lot of people went to, let's say, Google Drive, Apple Cloud, Dropbox, and now... We are starting to see the, let's say, the maturation of other alternatives, things like NextCloud and ways to, you know, run your own stuff. So I think that's interesting to see. And I, I presume then this is, you're obviously supportive of that, whether that's maybe an individual doing it or a community doing it or a business doing it, I suppose that's, or even a government might need to be concerned about that too, if in terms of where where is their data being stored and could they be doing things in a more self-sovereign way absolutely i think that uh, you know given the current geopolitical situation we cannot give you know, take anything for for granted right so you don't as a country even at the government level you don't want to have your the data of your citizens being stored on a foreign uh data center right so data and um that of course goes for the uh, public administration data, right? So you have like tax reports of every citizen, for example. But also, if you are still a government and you have, you know, people going around um, social media and creating ton of content, you cannot allow or, or storing their private emails, storing everything from their digital private life. It's kind of scary to me that knowing that all this information can be stored on a data center outside of the boundaries of that jurisdiction. The reason is that eventually this data can be weaponized between governments. And that's something that uh, we, you know, governments should think about uh, seriously rather than, you know, kicking the can down the road. Because when, you know, I, I, I know that might my, my, my sound apocalyptic, but, uh, you know, that is... Mm, that is what Bitcoin is for, is right, preparing for the worst, for the worst in the economy. But also, we should prepare for the worst in, uh, in communication, in data, right? Data is, is, is the new gold, is, is, uh, data is, uh, is extremely valuable. And so, leaving the data uncontrolled to, you know, some uh, big companies that first prom promised to not be evil, and now they, they, you know, they can be evil, I think that we that should be our priority now that money is almost fixed, right? So, or at least there is a good alternative. Now we need a good alternative for for uh, privacy and and self resiliency of data. Yeah. And when it comes to Keith, is there anything, any other progress you can share at this point? Or I know you, you've probably got announcements and things coming up on that at the actual conference date as well. So. Kit, we are going to launch before uh, the forum uh, the Lightning Network integration. So we support Eclair, LND, and C Lightning. So that that is going to be super cool. And uh, also, we are going to launch on um, a new project called um, uh, the Future of the Credit System uh, on uh, Lightning style channels. That is going to be an interesting, really interesting discussion and panel with uh, with an announcement. But also, we are quite close to launch uh, the mobile version of Kit. So, well, I was able to run it on a, on a Pine phone. Uh, in a way, it's kind of cheating because I had just to compile everything for ARM. But uh, also, the pure Android and iOS uh, versions are coming well together. So, I, I cannot wait for that because that will give a huge boost to, uh, to Kit in terms of adoption. We cannot complain, it's going quite well, but uh, more than 100k people are, have already downloaded it. But uh, we, we plan to see a huge um, increase in adoption as soon as mobile will come out. I see, yeah. And I know there are um, Bitcoiners out there who are 
eagerly waiting for the open sourcing as well. But uh, I think you've mentioned that's coming in uh, December, right? Yes. So in December, we start to roll out uh, uh, open source part of the of the infrastructure so that uh, people, for example, the chat, right, that is in Kit. We want to is we want to create this module that is like the module chat that is um, fully open source. Everyone can take it and you can put it in the game, right? So now you have all these uh, online multiplayer games, and uh, you can actually have a chat without infrastructure for once, right? That is something that uh, is extremely valuable. So you can bring down the costs of running of running um, games as well, and also with uh, that. Um, peer-to-peer, uh, lightning-style uh, credit system. Also, you can imagine that uh, gamers can actually start building, like, you know, if you have a game that has gold, iron, and wood, and all this type of stuff, you can actually create all this system through the whole package network and, and move it in them as a credit IU. So uh, more, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's going to be quite interesting also uh, to see. I like to explore how lightning, so, Lighting to me is not just purely lighting network, but is is a concept, right? It's a protocol. How how I can trustlessly um, create a, a bound between two people that are going to to send ton of transaction to each other. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating to think about. I'm yeah excited to see um, what's happening there. I think it's probably a good spot to wrap up here. So, Paolo, for people who want to find out more, where can they find out more about all of this? So. For um, Lugano, the Plan B forum, uh, you can go on planb.lugano.ch. In the header, there is Plan B forum. And so if you want to uh, go to, um, you want to buy some tickets, you can find them there. Or there is Lugano, at Lugano Plan B uh, on Twitter, myself, at Paolo Arduino, or at BitPhoenix or at Tether underscore TO. And thank you very much, Stefan. Uh, you are always so generous with time. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Go and get the show notes at stefanlibera.com slash 422. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels.